Hello everyone, welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror, fantasy, sci-fi, gems in the rough, little scene movies, and movies that should be discovered. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and today uh, I've got some updates as far as uh, things going on in my personal life, job-related, as well as some recently watched movies that I probably won't touch on a whole lot on uh, on my other podcast with Eric Marner, Movie Freaks. So, uh, first things first, uh, just a brief uh, update on on what your host here is doing. I, uh, I had been living in Florida for several years and was doing video work down there, and uh, I relocated up here to the North Canton area to uh, pursue more video work uh, at a company up here doing uh, educational uh training type small small movies small mini short films uh that would coincide with a, a big program with bulletins and a website and all all that and it's a great program um however uh things kind of made some sort of a some kind of a turn i guess you could say uh into a less artistic more utilitarian type program uh a little bit more um, less, basically less of a short film and more of a, of a, an extended commercial for the bulletin that the employees in the company are supposed to read. Anyway, uh, wasn't really what I was after. Um, it's still a great program and, uh, I might still, uh, uh, I still might actually help out on that at some point or another. Uh, but for now I wanted to explore some other avenues along with my constant movie watching. And so there's just a couple things going on that I thought that would be of interest to you, the listener. First and foremost, uh, I am, uh, along with my co-host Eric Marner, in the final stages of writing a, uh, a horror movie script. It's an anthology movie, and uh, it's it ballooned from, um, from a smaller scale type thing to a, a much bigger scale. I'm not sure what the budget on something like this would be, but it's really fun to collaborate with someone else that has a similar artistic vision and create a, in my personal opinion, a pretty good, a pretty good screenplay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get some different feedback from that script. And I also wrote a series of short films that coincide with the anthology movie. So it's a, uh, little side stories that all tie into the main plot of this anthology movie. And uh, I also, with the help of Eric Morn, I also wrote a uh, an 80s slasher movie that was uh, a lot of fun to write, and that was literally just sitting down and just typing pretty much nonstop for one full day just to get a treatment on paper. And uh, I think it turned out okay if, you, if you're into the early 80s slasher movie it is that. That's basically what it is. Uh, set in the woods and a killer and uh, college kids doing things they probably shouldn't and ending up getting killed with a twist in the end and roll credits, you're done. Uh, that's how those 80s slasher movies play out for the most part, and I think they work quite well. So uh, I had a good time writing that one. 
much I had even more fun writing the anthology movie because I love anthology movies. They're some of my favorite uh, horror movies. VHS series, Creep Show, Trick or Treat, uh, especially the old Amicus movies uh, from uh, from the '60s and '70s with Peter Cushing in them, in quite a bit of them. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, uh, Asylum. All those they're, they're so such good. So entertaining and so much fun to watch. So anyway, um, I went. That's that's the direction that I went with that one. And so we'll see what happens there. I would love to see that movie, uh, actually, or that script actually take off and maybe get made into a movie. We shall see. Anyway, uh, a couple other options that I'm kind of weighing out that I thought uh, the horror fan out there might be interested in is I'm looking at uh, possibly either starting up or maybe even joining forces with another company. I've talked on this show extensively about the smaller boutique labels that are, re- that are releasing these, uh, these gems in the rough. Some of them aren't, are actually not that good, but they're still a piece of history and a piece of art that, um, that should be seen or at least preserved in one way or another. And uh, I really love the, especially with Blu-ray, and 4K resolution, and, and basically how the whole remastering is at this point to uh, remaster these old movies, uh, clean them up digitally, and restore them so that they live on to see another day. And so uh, I've been just putting the feelers out there with some different uh, companies to see if there's any feedback as far as my involvement with possibly helping to restore some of these old movies. And um, so far, I actually have gotten uh, feedback from one company, and uh, we shall see where that goes. So um, I think that would be a great uh, a great thing to do. I'm not sure as far as the money, if that's uh, a big moneymaker. I have a feeling it's not, but uh, I also don't think that that is the type of thing that people that do it are expecting to get uh, filthy rich on. I think it's more of a passion for the art and uh, a passion for um, the preservation of these types of movies. And I, I've said it before, you know, uh, Arrow, Code Red, Scorpion, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Blue Underground, Synops. Uh, there, there's so many uh, smaller labels out there doing this, and I think it is great. And not just here in the States, but uh, overseas as well. Germany uh, has several companies that are pumping out awesome, uh, very collectible Blu-rays. Uh, same with the UK, and France has some as well. But it seems like Germany, to me at least, it seems like Germany and the UK have several companies that are really doing a bang-up job. And a lot of those movies are available on Diabolic DVD. So do a search if you're interested in these highly collectible uh, Blu-rays, both here in the States as well as overseas you can get them uh, here in the States without having to import them, although make sure that your Blu-ray player is uh, either code-free or can, has a way of playing Region B discs. And uh, and that's another thing, by the way, is a lot of Blu-ray players, not a lot, but some blu if you do your research, you can find uh, fairly inexpensive Blu-ray players here in the States that uh, that can easily be modded. I have several of them, actually. And uh, it's uh, as simple as entering a four-digit code and you're pressing enter. And boom, it's pick your region, A, B, or C. And and it same applies with the DVD, is pick your 
you know, one, two, three, four, or five. And so, it, as easy as it is, my one player cost me seventy bucks, and the other one cost me ah, actually both of them cost me around seventy bucks. So that's not bad. Two region-free players in my house right now uh, that I can play anything. And I love that because I love collecting and I love uh, importing. And um, yeah, so anyway, I highly recommend that to you if you are a collector to invest in a region-free Blu-ray player and start importing these things and just continue to support the this uh, this physical media because I do still have a strong hunch this is the last physical media that we will see uh, like a pressed Blu-ray disc. Uh, I, I know I've, I've heard that there's going to be like a dual layer or triple layer Blu-ray discs or something like that. Um, I'm not sure if the current Blu-ray players are capable of playing something like that and I'm not sure if that would be housing 4K material uh, but I just at this point with the ease of streaming, I just cannot see people investing in yet another machine and investing thousands of dollars into the same movies again that already look fantastic on Blu-ray for um, a 4K quality uh, movie. Now, I think that 4K would be perfect for theatrical presentation as well as a lot of the newer movies that are made um, I'm sure that they look gorgeous shot in 4K, but a lot of these older ones, they're shot on, pretty much all shot on 35mm, 16mm, and uh, I believe that those movies, I, granted, I, I'm sure that like 4K projected on a screen, they're going to look fantastic, but I just, I'm not sure at what point does 4K uh, for a movie like um, uh, My Bloody Valentine from 1980, or any, you know, The Burning, any old slasher movie, like, I'm not sure how that would would translate into a better viewing experience that one, than what we already have on on Blu-ray. So, but, you know, I, the same could have been said back in the heyday of DVD, because uh, I, I, I was on board, I was one of the first ones that got a DVD player when DVD first came out, and I paid a boatload of money for that player. And I still have it somewhere in this house, I believe. It's, it is the oldest of the oldest of the old DVD player. And um, it was just... Wow, look at the quality on that. It's amazing. This is what it looked like in the theater. Well, no, we're saying the same thing about Blu-ray. This is what it looked like in the theater. Um, and now with 4K, it's this is what it looks like now in the theater. So it, I just I wonder where things are going to go from here. Uh, every time a theatrical presentation releases something different, like uh, Dolby Atmos, is it, then there's a home version of it. And the home version is almost as good. And the same applies for 3D. Um, I have a 3D uh, Blu-ray player as well as a 3D projector, and it looks great. Um, not quite as good as the theatrical presentation, but almost. So I just I wonder what's going to happen 10 years from now with um, with regards to getting people in seats in the theater. So, and I'm completely rabbit trailing, but anyway, I love the restoration uh, aspect of movies and how. Uh, some some of these directors are probably sitting on movies that there is a a niche market out there for yet they may not realize it or uh, hey who would buy my movie trust me we're out there we'll buy your movie I have a collection of movies here that um, that frankly sometimes I'm almost embarrassed that I own because they're that bad but 
Uh, it's just a collectible thing, and it's like, ah, oh, I love that old school artwork. And wow, this even though the movie sucks, uh, this transfer is amazing. And wow, they actually got um, three of the actors and the director back to talk. And no, oh, they went back to the original location to show this is what it looks like now. And it's just there's the special features are so great on these uh, on these smaller labels that they just a lot of them go all out to. Uh, to try and entice the buyer, and just because it's it shows the care that these companies take, that they know that people that are into this type of thing, they want to know that. They want to hear the, the backstories on these crazy old slasher movies or creature features or whatever. They want to know what it, what it took to make the movie and the locations and the budget and the scraping by just to get this thing made, and I love that stuff. I love that stuff. So anyway, something I'm extremely fascinated by, and um, I... Um, I hope that it goes somewhere. So that's that's another thing that I'm working on. Also, uh, there is a Canton Film Festival here every year where I live. And um, I'm hoping to uh, team up with the crew there. Uh, I am going to be teaming up with the crew there, actually. This is, this is not... I hope I am. And um, we're hoping to broaden it even more than it already is. There's a lot of uh, short films that are shown. And um, they get some famous people in. Um, and what we're hoping to do is expand that to not just uh, a two-day film festival, but also to coincide with that, maybe have a fantasy sci-fi horror convention. So uh, uh, here in Canton, we have the Canton Civic Center. And then down the street, we've got the Palace Theater. And that's where the film festival is held at the Palace Theater, a grand old style uh, movie theater with balcony and um, you know, the, the lush old school feel of, uh, of an opera house type setting. Um, and the Civic Center here is a smaller venue you know, with a, you know, it can be a basketball court or whatever. And I actually, I think I watched WWE wrestling back in my teen years or something way back when uh, uh, some some sort of wrestling was there. And I remember it's a, a nice-sized building, and um, I have a feeling that if we can pull it off, we might have uh, a convention there. So comic books and T-shirts and VHS collectibles and action figure stuff and DVD. I mean, hope maybe even get the Blu-ray, these... Uh, niche Blu-ray releasing companies in there, actors, directors, all that stuff. That would be a dream come true for me to actually be able to pull something like that together. Um, and obviously, you got to start somewhere. And so our idea is to start with our starting somewhere is we've already got the film festival as an entity already. And what we would like to do, what I would like to do, is have a either monthly or bi-monthly uh, movie night at this Palace Theater. And there is where I think that we can drum up a lot of interest in a sci-fi horror fantasy convention uh, by just spreading the word, getting it out there. Hey, this is, this is heading your way. We're going to have a, a convention, and we need, we need vendors in our building. We need vendors. We need uh, contacts. We need, uh, we need people coming in. So support this and give us your feedback. What would you like to see? What uh, what wouldn't you like to see? Who would you like to see there? Would you want a, a retrospective on um, 
on Halloween, let's try and get everybody from the original Halloween in or whatever. I'm just using that as an example because that's what a lot of these other horror conventions, especially horror conventions, are. I know the Horror Hound is extremely popular. Cinema Wasteland, um, there is a slew of them. A uh, slew of these of these conventions, and they all look like they look so much fun. And I'm sure they're probably fairly difficult to put on, but uh, I am positive that the people that go to those love them. I can't imagine that you wouldn't uh, being able to go to these things dressed up as uh, Jason Voorhees or a Klingon or a Romulan or whatever. And I think that that's great. I love that stuff. So we're really hoping to to start off with uh, with a doubleheader in October. Right now, the tentative date for this is October 23rd at the Palace Theater here in North Canton, Ohio, and uh, planning on showing hopefully a double feature old school grindhouse horror uh, marathon. And by marathon, two movies. Uh, but uh, we're not sure what direction we want to go quite yet as far as do we actually maybe want to get... Um, someone from the movie in to speak a little bit. Uh, and if that's the case, then we may just do one movie and then have, if we can get the director in, great. Um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, this place is able to accommodate six different vendors, so I haven't ruled out even having a couple vendors there for that night, just as a, this is what could be on a much grander scale. So we've got a comic book vendor and uh, a used DVD Blu-ray vendor there and... I don't know, maybe the Quonset Hut. There's a couple different vendors that uh, would tie into that theme. And uh, and hopefully that goes somewhere. So obviously October is Halloween, so we're having a horror movie night at the Palace. Now, uh, we don't want to just show horror movies. Uh, I think that it would be cool to have various movies playing at various times. Uh, so maybe over Christmas we've got a couple of uh, of of cool holiday movies and, uh, any random month it's, it's, uh, okay. This, this month it's, it's the classic sci-fi night showing you Disney's the black hole and Stanley Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey, uh, as just as a random example or a comedy night and just show kitschy, weird, not, not quite the big budget mainstreamy stuff. I, uh, that's playing at Tinseltown and movies 10, the dollar theater here in Canton. I want to show, Movies that that may at one point or another have been very popular, but and are obviously available on DVD and Blu-ray, and maybe even streaming. But to see something on the big screen again, like oh wow, like The Evil Dead is a great example of something that I think would be fantastic to see on the big screen. A doubleheader of Evil Dead and The Evil Dead Part Two, um, in glorious remastered HD on the big screen. I know I would be there, and I personally think that. Uh, in the Canton, Akron, Cleveland area that we could draw other people in as well. I know that the Cedar Lee Theater up in Cleveland, Ohio, does something very similar, and theirs is an all-night event. Uh, And this was just an evening to start with, but we shall see where this goes. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to to see where it leads. And if it doesn't go any farther than, oh, that was a decent turnout for a Halloween-type thing, and, um, you know, okay, that was fun. Uh, we'll do it next Halloween. That's fine. Uh, it's still something, and it's better than nothing, because right now there is nothing like that around here where they're showing old-school horror movies. Uh, now, granted, uh, the movie theater close by here, Tinseltown, which is the premium theater, uh, they do have uh, a series that they they continually 
have on there of classic movies. And every now and then, a classic movie that is horror will be playing there. But it is, uh, it's not the type of thing that I would like to show. Um, the stuff that I would like to show is more European horror, Suspiria, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, or Zombie, um, or even the lesser-seen slasher movies of the 80s. I, I haven't even ruled out, you know, a, a doubleheader of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and something like uh, J.P. Simon's Pieces as a chainsaw knight, something like that. And it's just, that would be, uh, I think, the coolest thing ever to have something like that. Um, it reminds me of of uh, the Alamo Draft House. They, they seem to show cool stuff like that. And uh, I know that Grindhouse releasing, um, that they're, they are one of the best Blu-ray companies out there, in my humble opinion. Their Blu-ray packages are beautiful. Uh, the remastering is fantastic. The special features are... It basically, all of their releases seem to get a Criterion-type treatment. And uh, I know that uh, The Beyond, uh, I believe it still does play some midnight showings. And uh, it's a great midnight movie. So anyway, it's just some different ideas that I've got going on. Um, and on top of that, I think it would be fantastic if, uh, this area would see, uh, a new theater, uh, like, uh, like there's one up in Akron now, Akron, Ohio, called the Nightlight Theater, and it's a smaller theater, but it caters strictly to art house movies, and, um, that's right up my alley, uh, and I would love to see something like that in Canton that there would be a theater that, uh, it, it, not just playing, um, the Palace Theater shows a lot of different things, but a dedicated art house theater that every week there is a one or two new art house movies on, and the best way to emulate that would be uh, the Cedar Lee Theater up in Cleveland, which is a fantastic theater. I love that place. But there are just, there's so many movies that seem to get released, and then they're on video on demand. And I'm like, what? Where, where did that go. Like, I heard about that, but nothing. Well, major theater chains don't get these theaters that are released in New York and LA. Well, let's release them here. Why not? I mean, why not? Why not have a theater that caters to movies like Under the Skin and um, any number of, of art house type movies? I think that that would be, uh, I think they would be great. And I think that the, high, uh, the, the Nightlight Theater in Akron is doing well. And I think that something like that would have potential to do well in Canton, Ohio as well. And it's just something that I think would be a, a great idea. I wish there, there would be more theaters like that. Um, so anyway, those are just some of my random artsy ideas that I've got cooking in the brain. And um, uh, my co-host said it best, uh, the whole, why? Why would you do that? that that's, that's, I'm sorry to say that's bullshit. The question should be, why not? Why not try? The worst that can happen is you don't make it. And um, you at least tried. And so I've just got different things that I want to try right now. Um, and I always have my video editing and videography to fall back on. But those are things that I'm passionate about. And I just want to see where they go. Uh, as well as, obviously, I'm getting my, uh, my creative outlet through CinemaSoft Underbelly and movie freaks. Um, so anyway, that's just some stuff that's going on. And uh, boy, I'm almost already out of time and I haven't even talked about any movies. Um, so real quick here, I might as well talk about uh, a, a movie just so that 
I can check that off the list. So I'm going to talk about a movie that I watched on uh, Netflix, and um, I'm going to uh, eviscerate this movie, actually, because it's, it's that bad. Um, and this is everything that is wrong with movies nowadays. And that movie is called Butcher Boys. And I was really... I, um, I had my reservations about the movie. I figured, ah, oh, it's probably another not good movie. I was right, of course. But um, I thought Kim Henkel from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre wrote it, produced it. Um, okay, so it should be something, right? Uh, I gave it zero stars. That's how bad this movie was. And that's how upset I was with, with the fact that something like this had not a big budget, but a budget nonetheless and turned out that terrible. I've seen Asylum movies better than this thing. Um, every single person in the movie is horrible and annoying. Uh, four high school obnoxious people do obnoxious things in Texas and somehow end up on back roads in the city where it seems like there's no one. Um, and these really bad actor uh, guys... The butcher boys, I guess, they're cannibals, I, I suppose, and they chase them down in the, the streets and try to kill them. And um, it was, without a doubt, one of the worst movies on Netflix that I have watched in the last couple of years. The fact that Kim Henkel of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that he helped with the original Chainsaw Massacre, and they even get a couple of the stars of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre to make little cameo appearances in it, and... Uh, and steal lines from Texas Chainsaw Massacre and steal whole scenes from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but done in such a horrible way that it's almost mocking the brilliance of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so uh, everything that is wrong with horror movies nowadays, and there are still some fantastic horror movies being made. Creep is fantastic. Uh, Honeymoon is fantastic. Housebound uh uh, it Waits was great. So there are still some quality horror movies being made, um, especially movies that are ingenious with their low budget and fit it into what they are capable of doing. I think that is brilliant. Creep is a great example of how to take minimal setting, minimal actors, um, honestly, minimal story, and just bring it together and not not overshoot it and not... Um, not overstay your welcome. That movie was barely 75 minutes long, and it was fantastic. I loved that movie. It's on Netflix right now. Watch it. Slow burn, and no pun intended, creepy horror. Oh, it got under my skin, especially the last 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, man, great movie. On the flip side is this Butcher Boys garbage that uh, obviously did have a budget, way more than something like Creep did, but um, I got to tell you, after watching it, I I'm still... Not quite sure the whole gist of the movie, although it's a very simple story of basically just bad guys chasing around obnoxious teens. But it was so forced and silly and and drawn out to a to a ninety some odd minute runtime that um, it was just terrible, terrible movie. So um, shame on everybody for that that one there. There's no excuse that could have that could have been well no no that couldn't have been good. That was just terrible from the get-go, so avoid at all costs. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for my review of that, and I'm getting, uh, I'm running out of time here, but uh, anyway, hey, support your local independent cinema. If there is such a thing in your town, try to support it, and um, support 
these boutique labels that are um, lovingly remastering these movies. I know that they're more expensive than the big blockbuster movies that come out uh, for sale, new at Best Buy for $14.99 and then a week later or $9.99, whatever. These, some of these movies are quite expensive. And, um, but to acquire the rights to these movies and to remaster them and to do new artwork and a booklet and get interviews, commentary, subtitles, all that stuff costs money. And a lot of these labels are one guy or a handful of people versus um, Sony or Warner Brothers. Uh, so, you know, something like this could end up costing for one movie could end up costing a small business, uh, you know, upwards of maybe twenty five, thirty thousand bucks, even more. And um, then you go and try and sell those things. And when it's all said and done, I would guess that there's not a whole lot of margin for profit on these uh, when it's all said and done. So um, just the fact that that there are companies out there that are still doing this, even in an age where uh, HD streaming is more and more popular, and it's going to be more and more popular. And I, you know what? I've embraced it. I think it's great. I think that these channels just keep popping up that show more and more uh, movies that I want to see is fantastic. But I think that there is still a, a, a need for physical media, and I hope that it doesn't die. I really do. At least I hope not for a while. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to do it for me today. You can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. For any questions, comments, anything you want to discuss or hear on the show, please let me know. Feel free to check out our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. I always love listening to their banter back and forth, and trust me, it's it's amusing. Uh, and some of their reviews are hilarious, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but it's a great show to listen to. I really enjoy them. And also, tune in to Movie Freaks, the other show that I co-host with Eric Marner, where we talk all things movie-related. And... Um, both of those shows can be found on iTunes, of course, and you can find me on iTunes as well. So, again, thanks for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.